We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. If fascism ever comes to America, said Ronald Reagan, it will come in the name of liberalism. I'll discuss this quote and more on today's rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. The topic for the day is fascism, liberalism, the Democrat Party, the progressive agenda of the academy and the left. And I'm going to contextualize it in a conversation that I had with Glenn Beck just yesterday on the Glenn Beck Show, where he asked me to comment on cancel culture and its cure. Now remember, before we get into today's show, that if you would like to support the rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. Appreciate all of you that are regular subscribers and also those of you who download episodes of the rebellion do us a great favor because that increases our algorithms with regard to the platforms that are used to um, to give you access to the rebellion. And it also gives us a higher rating and therefore more people are going to start listening. So consider downloading your favorite episodes of the rebellion and also post them out there on your favorite social media uh, sites such as Facebook, Parler, MeWe, Gab, Oh, what else? Twitter, whatever you use, all of the above. And then send some episodes to your friends and get them on the Rebellion team also. Appreciate all of that. And as we enter the Christmas season, remember my books, Not a Daycare of the Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth and Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Both of those books can be purchased at any online bookstore, wherever you get your reading material. And in fact, after we take this break, I'm going to read a quote to you out of my book, Not a Daycare, to set the context for the rest of the show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So, I was asked to go on the Glenn Beck Show yesterday, and the context was cancel culture. And is there a cure for it? How did we get in this mess? How did we acquire this disease? Were there any symptoms that warned us of the nature of this illness that was spreading across this pandemic? The pandemic is real right now. I would argue that COVID is not the most dangerous disease facing our nation. I would argue that cancel culture and this whining for safe spaces, the snowflake rebellion, this ideological fascism that has prevailed across our land is the disease that is threatening to kill us all. 
kill us as a culture, and frankly, even threatening our freedoms and our very lives. And I'm going to prove that to you in today's show. So when I wrote Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth back in 2017, I was responding to the Snowflake Rebellion. I was responding to cancel culture and this juvenile uprising in the academy, in the ivory tower, in our colleges and universities, and our local schools that was threatening intellectual liberty and academic freedom. And in that book, there is a paragraph that says the following. Ronald Reagan told Mike Wallace in 1975 that if fascism ever comes to America, it will come in the name of liberalism. Indeed, ideological fascism has come in place of academic freedom, waving the banners of trigger warnings, microaggressions, and safe spaces on college campuses across the land. You must submit, you must agree, you must comply with the fascist, the acceptable bundle of ideas, or you will be silenced and expelled. Close quote. Now again, this is a quote from my book, Not a Daycare, from 2017. And today, the corruption of cancel culture The corruption of cancel culture combined with the absolute insanity of LGBTQIA alphabet soup lunacy and the blatant Marxism, admitted Marxism, proud Marxism of BLM and critical race theory, and this overbearing arrogance that we're now suffering from these Faucian lemmings who now seek to control and govern every aspect of our daily lives— All of these things combined together prove that Ronald Reagan was prescient and indeed a prophet. Fascism is here, my friends. It's here. And it has brought this overwhelming control of our daily lives to you all courtesy of your local schools. This stuff was born and nurtured in your local schools, in your colleges, in your universities, and your public schools in your own backyard. Your tax dollars have paid for this fascist overthrow of the way we're engaging in our daily lives in the market square of ideas as well as in the market now because you can't even go shopping unless you comply and bow to these fascists that say you will agree with us, you will think like like we think, you will act like we act, you will do what we do, or you will be expelled, you will be eliminated from daily, normal, functioning life. And the proof of all of this is this story from Arizona State University. And these student groups demanding that the Arizona State University president, administration, and faculty immediately withdraw their language. And as I've said, that's a lie. They're not asking that Kyle Rittenhouse withdraw. They're demanding that he be expelled, that he be removed from the campus, even though he's not on the campus. Again, a lie. He's an online student. I've covered all of that. This all is a grand construct. It's a fabrication. Just like their sexual identity is a fabrication. Just like this... uh, This boogeyman of systemic racism is a fabrication, just like the COVID scare, at least now, is a fabrication. I mean, my land, the new variant 
is as mild as the common cold. The doctor in South Africa who discovered it has told us all that. A couple days of body aches and whatnot, and then it's done. Those are the symptoms, and we're going to shut down the free world because there's a danger that you might get the cold? That's how crazy it is right now. That's fascism. That is a small group of people demanding that you become part of the fascist, the bundle, the collective, the group that will control everything and tell you what to think and what to do. And it must look exactly like them or you are unacceptable. And that's what they're saying to Kyle Rittenhouse. Because he exercised his constitutional right of self-defense and because he was found innocent by a jury of his peers, they turn around and call him a killer and a bloodthirsty murderer and that he needs to be removed from their campus because they don't feel safe. This immaturity, this, this cancel culture, it's an amoral monster that we've created. I covered this in a previous show. It's a Frankenstein monster. It's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's a modern-day Prometheus. We've, we've created this monster because we wanted to act like we are God and we didn't want to honor the true God. We've created a, a version of a human being that is nothing but a grotesque, deformed monster that considers safety to be superior over freedom and comfort over courage. It, it has, this monster has no principles. It has no integrity. It constantly whines. It says, I want, I want, I want. I feel, I feel, I feel. It never says, I'll give, I'll serve. You're more important than me. It never focuses on unity. It always focuses on division. It's juvenile. It's childish. It elevates covetousness. One of the one of the sins that's identified in the Ten Commandments has now become a virtue because socialism is grounded in coveting your neighbor's stuff. Socialism says, you've got more, I want some of it. That is coveting. The Bible tells you that that is selfish and that that is a sin. For 3,500 years, we've agreed that that's not a good thing. And today, we have these student groups at Arizona State University and even in your own high schools and junior highs, in your own backyard, that are elevating the sin of coveting to a virtue rather than admitting that it's a vice. If we don't start choosing leaders who understand everything I've just said, we're lost. If we don't start choosing preachers and teachers and politicians who understand the, the basic virtues that our culture is built upon of selflessness rather than selfishness, of facts over feelings, of empirical data and the importance of reality over feelings and over emotions and over opinions. If we don't start teaching these things as parents to our children, we're lost. And I, I've argued before that I think there are three, maybe four entities in culture, every culture, that perpetuate the ideas 
that will serve as the foundation, the soul of their progeny. And those entities are preachers and teachers and parents, and maybe politicians. Maybe you could add the fourth. Preachers, teachers, and parents are the entities that train up the next generation in the way that they will go. And if you train them up rightly, they will not depart from righteousness. If you, de- if you train them up wrongly, they will go in the wrong direction. And what we've done, what we've done in our schools and continue to do in our schools, whether they be your local university or your high schools or your junior highs or now even your elementary schools, is we've, we've fed them this pablum of self-esteem. The, the product, the outcome of the self-esteem movement is cancel culture, this coddling culture. Because again, the self-esteem movement that has been pervasive in our local school systems for decades is by definition the elevation of feelings over facts and emotions over reality. Emotions, opinions, the way you feel over the empirical. It's the qualitative over the quantitative. That it's the quality of life that matters rather than the quantitative reality of life. The two plus two equals four is the quantitative. The two plus two equals five or six or 10 or 12, whatever you feel it should be, is the qualitative. We've elevated the qualitative qualitative, excuse me, the emotional over the empirical, over the quantitative. It's construction over revelation, that we will construct what's real and we, we will construct our own values rather than accepting the revealed obvious values of God. It's the self over the self-evident. Why do you think our seminal documents refer to the self evident truths. It's because those truths are outside the self. The self recognizes them because they're evident, but the evidence of those truths is not grounded in your subjectivity, in your own little fallible mind. The evidence of those truths has nothing to do with your feelings about them. We are elevating the self over the self-evident. We've elevated the created over the creator. This is from Romans 1. St. Paul's epistle to the Church of Rome in the first century, where he said, when you start worshiping the created over the creator, you're given over to a reprobate mind. I've covered this a hundred times in the show. This, This worshiping of the God you see in the mirror, the created, yourself, rather than the worship of the God you read about and see in the Bible and in creation. In other words, creation screams that there's a creator, It doesn't scream that you're it, that you should worship yourself. No, it says there's something that made all of this. There's intelligence that has created intelligent design. There's a designer behind the things that we see designed. There's a painter that painted the painting. There's an author, a writer that wrote the book. There's a builder that built the building. I mean, when we see order and when we see design in any other area, of our daily existence. We assume what is logical and true and right, but yet when it comes to morality and values and virtues, we have this ongoing tendency to worship ourselves, the created over the creator. So the problem here 
is the curriculum that's being pushed even here in Oklahoma. I've talked about social-emotional learning over and over again, S-E-L. I've told you that Joy Hoffmeister, who is now running for governor for the state of Oklahoma, and Lord help us if this woman gets elected. I mean, I'll tell you right now, everything is going to change for Oklahomans if we elect somebody like Joy Hoffmeister and give her the authority that can be wielded in the governor's office. And we know that that's true now because we've watched these rogue governors in other states lose their ever-loving minds because of the power that they could grab a hold of under the guise of COVID-19. I mean, look at this woman that's the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, it's evil what she's done to shut down freedom in Michigan. And we know of Gavin Newsom in California, and we know what Cuomo did in New York. And the stories go on and on and on. Even Republican governors that got drunk on power because of what COVID allowed them to do. And then they won't give it up because they have the ring of power. They're precious. They're precious. And they won't let it go. They want to tell you how to live your life. They want to tell you what to do, where to go, how to shop, when to go to church, when not to go to church, when to put something over your face, and when not to put something over your face. The grand and glorious high poobah of Anthony Fauci is now the high priest of our culture. And all of these minions that serve in the gubernatorial offices across our nation, all of these minions are nothing but the, but the priests of Anthony Fauci and this new religion, this new religion of Fauciism. And social emotional learning has set the context for this because of what? Well, you say, what's wrong with teaching uh, emotional uh, development, learning how to govern your feelings properly in the classroom? Well, the problem with it is SEL, social emotional learning, elevates the self over the self-evident. I've already told you that. Our schools now promote the feelings over the fact. They're teaching your kids that it's more important to learn how to define yourself rather than to understand objective definitions. So anything you want to say about yourself and think about yourself and do with yourself, your mind, your soul, your body, as long as you feel right and good about it, then social-emotional learning enables that and affirms that. That is not a good thing, people, because tell me this. When's the last time you found any junior high kid that knew squat about anything? I mean, it's like Bill Maher says. Essentially, the definition of who you are when you're 12 or 14 or 16 or maybe even 17 is this. You're stupid. That's a quote from Bill Maher. You don't know anything. You think you do. You think you know everything. You think your parents are stupid. You think your grandparents were idiots. You think that the founding fathers were racists. You think you've got it all together, but this doesn't end well because you really don't know anything. Again, in the words of Bill Maher, you're stupid and you need to attend to the wisdom of the ages rather than ignoring it and demeaning it. And what social-emotional learning does it is, is that it enables a 14-year-old to define his reality, to define his own body, to define his morality, to decide 
everything for himself rather than submitting to something that might be a little bit more, oh, shall we say, intelligent, a little bit more mature than he is. So again, they're teaching your kids that it's more important to learn how to define yourself than it is to understand objective definitions. As long as you make your kids feel good about themselves, the facts be damned. They don't matter. This is an enablement. One more time. This is enablement. It's emotional abuse. It's not emotional learning. It's propaganda. It's not education. this, This is not what leads to a virtuous society. This is not something that builds up men and women of character. I mean, our enemies are laughing at us while we march aimlessly after this Pied Piper that's leading us to the cliffs. I mean, while we're elevating uh, women who think they're men and men who think they're women, while we are feminizing our military, China is building up a powerhouse that would crush us. And you know what? We even know this. We know this because polls that just came out yesterday tell us that America, even though we've imbibed this Kool-Aid and we continue to believe a lot of these lies, we know that our enemies are stronger than this because the polls that I was just reading yesterday indicate that Americans, I'm trying to remember the percentage, I think it was close to 70%. I may be off on that, but I think it was close to 70% of Americans believe that our biggest enemy is China. Now, why do we say that? It's because intuitively, at least subconsciously, we know that they're stronger than us now. We know that we don't have the intestinal fortitude, nor do we have the courage, nor do we even have the confidence in ourselves to stand against somebody this strong, this determined, this well-defined, rather than somebody that's just feeling good about themselves. So while we teach our kids to feel good about their stupidity, China is building up a military that is based on facts. Now, I'm not saying that China's economic system or political system is good. In fact, I would argue that it's evil. And tomorrow I'm going to talk about communism and what it has done to hundreds of millions of people. And the irony here is that this organization, these organizations at Arizona State University that are crying for Kyle Rittenhouse to be expelled because he makes them feel unsafe. They don't, they don't like him being an online student because he's compromising their safe space. The irony is that every one of these student organizations is grounded in socialism and Marxism. They're, every one of these organizations is communist, essentially, because if you're a Marxist, you're a communist, okay? They're synonymous terms. You can't be a Marxist without also believing in the collective. You can't be a Marxist if you don't believe that private property is a bad thing rather than a good thing. You can't be a Marxist if you think that individual liberty is um, a superior value to um, collective responsibility. So Marxism assumes communist solutions. You can't be a Marxist if you believe that God is God and you are not. Because Marxism, by definition, 
is atheism. And you can't be a Marxist atheist and continue to embrace our constitutional republic and the self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our creator. So tomorrow I'm going to talk about the consequences of Marxism, the consequences of embracing these terrible ideas. But I'll conclude today's show with this. The irony of these kids at Arizona State University, and they're just the poster child for what's going on across the land. It's not just at Arizona State University. Like I've said already, it's in your own backyard, in your own high schools and junior highs, and even in your elementary schools now. And it's there by virtue of the SEL curriculum that Joy Hoffmeister has been promoting in Oklahoma, as well as those the same SEL curriculum that's being promoted by your educational leaders in whatever other state you live in. SEL is the elevation of the emotional over the factual. It's the elevation over the self over the self-evident. It's the elevation of coveting over the principles, the principles of self-control and self-sacrifice. And all of this is grounded in the admitted Marxism of these organizations at Arizona State University that are now calling for Kyle Rittenhouse to be expelled. And they're doing so under the ruse and under the banner of their own self-actualization and the self-esteem movement. But in reality, this is grounded in a movement that's even older than that. It's grounded in a movement that resulted in 100 million deaths in the Soviet Union in Red China, in Cambodia, in Venezuela, in Cuba, in North Korea, in Vietnam. This worldview is the worldview that's fueling social emotional learning because the primary goal of SEL is to teach your kids how to be social activists who feel good about themselves. Now, just stop and think about that. They're teaching your son and your daughter to be social activists who feel good about themselves. Do you think the young people that were part of the Cultural Revolution in Red China fit that exact description? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They were social activists who felt good about themselves as they demeaned their own mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers. And they took control of a culture because they were pawns of a Marxist despot named Mao Zedong. We're setting ourselves up for a similar fate if we don't admit the problem and correct it immediately. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. And this is The Rebellion.